Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Joe, we are live for the first time in weeks. Yes, sir. What's up, Sean Ross? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Holy Smokes podcast. Uh, like Sean and I were talking off air before we came live here. Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a while since uh, this podcast was live, obviously, with the holiday season, with me traveling to Japan, uh, with me recovering last week when I got from Japan. So there was no Holy Smokes podcast, but we are back and lots to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts. Now, when I say lots, I'm like, it'll be, we'll go through this podcast likely very quickly. Hopefully, it's the, the quickest hour, hour and a half uh, in your lives. Uh, we're going to talk about some UFC St. Louis. We'll preview that. Uh, we'll get some picks in there. Uh, Anderson Silva is not retired. Uh, we thought maybe that was it after the USADA situation. Nope, he apparently is not retiring. Uh, Marlon Morass, Jimmy Rivera, sign me up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you knew this was going to happen. Conor McGregor and Dana White versus Showtime. The whole pay-per-view buy situation, Conor mentioned it, that he had to get all these people uh, at the post-fight press conference. He mentioned he has to get all these people involved to make sure the numbers are correct. Well, lo and behold, we're seeing what's going to happen here. We'll talk about what, what kind of implications this may have uh, for Dana White and the UFC and, and other people if they ever decide to go this way again. Uh, maybe not, but they might. Um, Habib Nurmagomedov, man, that performance at UFC 219 was something else. Um, he wants Tony Ferguson next. Don't blame him if Conor McGregor doesn't want to come back, but we'll get to that as well. Justin Gaethje wants Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's basically calling it easy money. John Jones, we all talked about it when that first news came out that he pinched, got pinched for something. Well, Jeff Nowitzki from the UFC says, uh-uh, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, we'll get my thoughts on Ryzen uh, in a little bit. Jessica Penney, she failed the test. I'm sure Sean Rossap's not happy about that. Uh, oh, Cyborg. Oh, Christian Cyborg Santos. Come on. She wants Pam Bam Sorensen. Oh, we'll get to that in a the moment, Sean. The fact that Sean. you know the woman's nickname is surprising yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. 
UFC's running back, uh, Blokowitz and, and uh, Jimmy Manoa. I'll, that's going to be fun. Uh, we want to talk about Jimmy Smith, our thoughts on Jimmy Smith, uh, gone from Bellator. Uh, did we see the writing on the wall on this already, or was it something that was quietly being done? Uh, and, of course, surprise, surprise, Jose Aldo Jr. wants out of his UFC contract. Okay. All right. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm alive. I'm kicking. I'm, uh, you know, you're looking all pretty right now. Fixing up that lo- those locks to getting longer, getting prettier. They are. They are. And uh, last week I did the show on my own. I did it at 1 p.m. just because I was like, I don't have to wait around for Joe. I don't have to wait around <laughs> for Joe. I'll do it at 1. The week before I put together a bit of a preview piece that like, but now it's that time. We had that couple of weeks without, or really one week. It feels like a couple of weeks. One week without UFC, and all of a sudden we're back into things, and then we get that big UFC 220 show. My God, that's going to be great. And even though Joe's on the Brock Lesnar schedule, as we call it right now. Oh, here we go. I've got him tentatively to join me on the UFC 220 podcast, but I will be doing a post-show myself after St. Louis. That show, curious main event, (laughs) curious to say the least. I mean, you got Uriah Hall, Vitor Belfort, Paige Van Zantz on the show. You got a bunch of guys on there that are really good, but we'll talk about that later. But what, what do you want to hop into first? Because there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about anything really that you good. want. I mean, the, the, I don't know what the hot story is, really what the hot story is, but it, you take a look at some of the, um, the headlines here, and is Jeff Nowitzki's comments – Really, the, the 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 eyebrow razor here, or you know, because I was the one that kept saying, and and you know, Pearson was laughing at me, Trigg was laughing at me. You're telling me to get off that sort of horse there, that you know, kind of giving John the benefit of the doubt, although he's fooled us so many times, and you guys are like, don't do it, don't do it. And I agree. I mean, I, I just, it's just a, my nature. It's just my character. Maybe it's a character flaw that I have to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. But after he screwed us again, I thought maybe not. But now we got Jeff Nowitzki saying what he's saying. I mean, what, what do you take on that? Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with giving John Jones the benefit of the doubt as it pertains to USADA, but from a personal aspect, like, I mean, my God, the dude has shown gross negligence throughout his life over the last several years at every turn, from from hitting a light pole to doing cocaine before a title fight to taking a pill, which, oh my God, I went to the lab. Okay, so this all comes from the Jeff Nowitzki interview on the Joe Rogan experience. I cannot recommended enough. It is fascinating. I want Forrest Griffin and Jeff Nowitzki on a weekly podcast telling me what's going down at that Performance Institute because it was riveting. It was great. And plus, I just want to hear Forrest Griffin on a weekly show just because he's great. But he said that, first off, he he explained the website that John Jones got the, the alleged, the infamous now dick pill in 2016 from. And my God, I tweeted a photo of that website and what they, what they, uh, offer on there but my god man it's sad looking like clenbuterol's on there like there are a lot of stuff and it'll say like not for human consumption but he <laughs> has said that he doesn't think that the the facts thus far that have been presented to him in the John Jones case uh indicates that it's a guy who took something on purpose trying to cheat and we have Vinny Fernando saying that Jeff Nowitzki says that Jones could get eight years of everything that stacks up against him that's not necessarily true that's like for aggravating circumstances if he did that and then something else. Like, it's, I, 
I'm about 90% sure with the information that I've been given that John Jones isn't going to get eight years. And if he does get eight years, he is probably going to try to get out of his UFC deal or get bought out of it or something like that and fight in Japan or something like that. But man, that's... he. Uh, Nowitzki also spoke about Nick and Nate Diaz where he thinks that maybe they'll fight again, that maybe Nick wants to fight again, but he explained the whereabouts. He explained a lot of these issues that people wonder about. And like he said that even people in USADA, like he and another woman are signed up for the, uh, the whereabouts program. And one of them had a failure. Like she failed to update her whereabouts, but she wanted to get acquainted with the system. You all have to watch that interview, but the John Jones information was the most interesting to come out of that. John, he could, he could be back in a few months again. That that's it's, I mean, you go from what Vinny just mentioned, on the live chat, by the way, guys, feel free to get up there uh, and girls uh, get up there, give us your thoughts and comments. But you go from, you know, the potential of eight years. No, uh, but you understand that spectrum to, hey, man, John could be back in a couple months, which would be absolutely fantastic for the UFC, for the fan base, not necessarily from a moral perspective. If he actually did cheat, if he actually is is labeled or, or you know, I guess. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, if he if he's a cheater, he's gone. He's gone. Four years at minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, you, you you also make a valid point. I don't know uh, if the UFC would buy out his contract. Uh, I, I'd like to see him try to go to Japan. Good luck. Uh, I don't think the UFC would allow that. Yeah. Uh, they'll do anything and everything possible because Dana White still has quite the vendetta against John Jones for you know canceling UFC. It was a 151 with Dan Henderson when Chael Sonnen tried to step up, and then you know UFC uh, was a 200. So there's going to always be Dana White's vendetta against John Jones, preventing him from doing anything and everything to further his career. So th- th- that's that story right there. But like anyone, like Dana's always said, Sean, never say never. We just never know what's going to happen in the world of MMA until it actually does. If he ends up getting the same situation as last year, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, and you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's curious." It is curious, but it's not impossible. I mean, we see people get popped for things that they didn't intend to take all the time. And if that's the case, well, he's already served five months of a suspension. Like, it was July 29th when he last fought. Uh, if he ha- if he gets suspended and it's shown, like, he, there's a chance he might just get suspended for two years if it's shown that he did knowingly take it. Because his previous offense wasn't him knowingly taking it. It was just negligence. So there are a lot of different ways that it should go. Here's what I think the punishment should be for anybody who fails a test. Just going through the USADA process because it's been <laughs> months and we don't have any new information on this. Like, And with tons of people, we don't have any information on. So, man, that is that is a struggle. And uh, as for Nick and Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz always say they want to fight, but they don't, I don't think they want to fight. When they, when they run out of money, then they fight. But time is ticking for Nick, mm-hmm. right? Like you ain't getting any younger. You might think you still got the skills, and you probably do have the skills. You just don't have the speed, you know. And your body can only take so much. So I think for Nick, and not that there's a massive age gap between Nick and Nate, but Nate's obviously younger. But at the same time, for Nick, you know that the sport keeps passing you by. I think it was you that tweeted the Carlos Condit result, um, or throughout the Carlos Condit fight. That that's the only fight I haven't seen, by the way, at UFC 219. I'm kind of bitter, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but throughout the fight, you were mentioning the fact that. Looks like the sport has passed him by. Mm-hmm. Well, the same with Nick Diaz. He's been around the sport a long time. Takes care of himself. He's always in shape. But these guys are hungry, younger, faster. 
and speed I, usually kills. No offense to Nick, Nick Diaz, but I thought the game passed him by a long time ago. But when you're in strike force and you get booked against nothing but strikers, I mean, come on now. <laughs> they they catered those opponents to him. And he had better luck with some of them than others, but he didn't face a wrestler for years. And that's what that's the trouble that he runs into. But yeah, man, like I think he'll eventually fight again. They both will whenever they're they're out of money. But Joe, what I want to know is what was your experience over at Rising like? Got a lot of good feedback on your commentary. I thought it was great what I what I heard of it. First off, I gotta say poor Ian McCall. Jesus, that guy, man. I don't know that poor guy. And to go what he to to experience what he went through leading up to the fight, to getting smacked to the back in the back of the head uh, at the weigh-ins uh, from Manel Cape, and then to you know pop him in the face afterwards. He just wanted to get that fight underway and, and get things going. And before it even started, it's just like. We finally get some exchange there. Manel does hit him pretty good, uh, but you know, he, I guess Ian goes in for the t- for the takedown or at least the clinch up. And then as he gets cron- gets against the ropes and his head gets dragged along the ropes, it just splits him wide open so bad that they stop the fight. The doctor says this is a gash. We can't continue this fight. It's this, this whole mat's going to be red. So feel super bad. He he was so frustrated when he left. Um, he left half his clothes uh, still in his room. Didn't pack everything. Just wow. left. He was so, I guess, I, I'm going to go with depressed or upset or something like that, right? But uh, I think he's got every right to appeal for a no contest. Sure. Right? Like, he's got the opportunity there to to, to do something. Um, he just his, his management has to take care of that, you know? You know Ryzen or no, UFC would never do that. Ryzen would never do it. Belter would never do it on behalf of the fighter. There has to be a formal uh, appeal, Submitted. So, I mean, if, if Ian McCall is listening to this, you probably want to appeal that. You probably get that thing as a no contest, so a loss doesn't show up on your record. And that rematch with with Manel could probably take place. Although, you know, I could see uh, Ryzen you know, continue with Ian McCall, and you know, I mean, Horiguchi needs an opponent. I mean, oh, Horiguchi needs all the opponents. I wanted to wait to get into that, but let's just go ahead and talk about it now. Like a few years ago, when he lost to Demetrius Johnson. I thought he was really close. Like, I didn't think he was necessarily the second best flyweight in the world then, but I knew it was coming. Now, these fights were at Bantamweight, so it's hard for yeah. me to say second best flyweight in the world, but if he moved to flyweight or if he fought there, I would without a doubt say that. I And this is a guy who the UFC just let walk after a three-fight winning streak. He was 7-1 and one in the UFC. I think he's going to be back. I really think he's going to be back because he's going to force their hand and stuff. And in Japan, they've always been a little more open traditionally in the past. I mean, Kid Yamamoto became a star over there. And all these guys became big stars over in Japan. And you want to talk about, like, a knight that just made a guy in that country? I mean, you got to remember, he spent a lot of time fighting away from Japan in the UFC, even though that he, he competed a couple of times. But that run, oh, my God. He was just... He was phenomenal. He was great. I, I had the pleasure of watching him fight Daryl Montague in Cincinnati in uh, May of 2014 in his flyweight debut. And I remember uh, telling my wife that guy is going to fight Demetrius Johnson, and he's probably going to be doing it next year because I don't know who else they have. He made it five rounds with uh, Demetrius Johnson until that armbar, but man, this guy just looks better and better and better. 
I love watching Kyoji Horiguchi fight. This guy is awesome. And he's still just 27 years old. A fresh 27. Just turned it in October. He's something else, man. His his demeanor, his confidence. Uh, I had a chance to, to spend some time with Mike Thomas Brown, uh, who I didn't know, did not know, by the way, was cornering Horiguchi because we both got to the hotel at the same time. And I said, oh, Mike Thomas Brown. I'm like, oh, okay. What's he doing here? Who's here from ATT? I did not yeah. make the the... the the calculation that Horiguchi trains at ATT, and Mike Brown was there, flew in to corner him. That's who Horiguchi wanted. So after we realized, I'm like, oh my god! So I saw Mike one of the one of the mornings for breakfast, and we just shot the breeze, and he just was just talking so highly of uh, of Horiguchi, how he's the best guy in the gym, the hardest worker, always smiling. Like Mike gets more nervous walking to the ring um, with with Horiguchi than Horiguchi's the guy who's fighting. Yeah. And, you know, he's just like, "What? Are you, relax, Mike. I'm fighting. Relax. It's cool." And Mike's like, "Oh, I got to keep my demeanor up, right?" So, great conversation with Mike. Frank Trigg had the same type of conversation afterwards with him because uh, we were just kind of our schedules are a little bit different at the time that day. But uh, yeah, Horiguchi's something special, man. And, and can you make the argument that he's the number two flywood in the world? It's tough, but you can. You know, I would like to see him uh, take on some of the guys at flyweight that are in the top right now in the UFC rankings, but it ain't going to happen. I don't know if if he would ever go back to the UFC. He may, but right now uh, I can I can assure you the Japanese public absolutely love this guy. Ryzen knows they've got their star or one of the stars in their hands, especially considering he's a Japanese fighter. It's a smaller weight class, uh, but they love it. And you know, I I really like what Ryzen's doing. Um, and just for the record. Uh, there's no guarantee that Trigg and I will be back. Mm-hmm. Trigg could be back. Maybe not me. Maybe I can go back. Maybe Trigg won't go back. There, with Ryzen, in essence, the way it works uh, is no different than half the stuff that, that happens in Japanese MMA. They do it on a show-by-show basis. Uh, for the most part, I am told they that, that obviously tons of compliments – other than me freaking saying Yamamoto so many times in the Yamoto fight, um, huh. it just it just kept rolling off the tongue. And every time Yamoto was supposed to be said, I kept saying Yamamoto, Yamamoto, and it just it was natural because um, we, we were talking about a crazy beef fight before that. But anyways, um, other than that, we had Frank and I had tons of great accolades online and from other people that weren't posting online. So hopefully we'll be back in May. Don't know. Uh, but there are meetings going on uh, last night and today regarding what's going to happen for the May show. So fingers are crossed that I get to go back uh, in May, but we'll see. But overall, that experience is something else, man. Japan is well, something else. I know you did better than than uh, Chris Cordero, the last guy that did it. But I also know that Trigg was kind of sliding in for Anthony Burchak, who fought on this show. So, you know, there there are a lot of questions around that. And there's Mirko Krokop. My God, sign me up to watch this guy fight anytime. I don't... You know what? I don't care if he's juiced. I don't care. I don't give a damn. He's 43. I want to watch it. The man is 16 and 2 in combat sports since he left the UFC for the second time. And uh, I just you you actually spoke with him a little bit for an exclusive for fightful.com. Yeah, he's he was in a completely different demeanor. Before I get to him though, <clears throat> um Anthony Burchak is worth his weight in gold. Mhm. That guy there, him and his wife Mercedes, those two are just unbelievable, down-to-earth, salt-of-the-earth human beings. And Burchak is like the American Faraz Ahabi, if I can say that. He's a guru. He knows fighting inside and out, and he can hold a conversation about anything, any topic outside of fighting as well. I got – 
all the time in the world for Anthony and his wife. They are fantastic people. Now, moving back over to Miracle Krokop, who had, was in a completely different demeanor. Um, he reminded me of the time when, when Heath Herring and I spoke to him uh, last year. And Miracle's just just chill, man. Completely chill. Sat down with Frank and I. And we're just, you know, him and I were going back and forth with a bunch of things. And Frank was going uh, back and forth with a bunch of things. And Miracle's just just down to earth, man. Told, now he does he does operate on a different frequency. You've heard me say that before about certain fighters. He does operate on a bit of a different frequency. And that's the the cultural aspect of living your life mainly in Croatia. I mean, if you've lived your life in Canada, in parts of the U.S., uh, in, in South Africa, in Jamaica, in South America, in Brazil, your way of thinking and the way you communicate is going to be different than the rest of the world. And Miracle, the way he thinks and the way he processes information and then gives you an answer is a little bit different than what you and I might be used to. Um, a lot of the questions that I asked him had to do with, um, well, I had a lot of questions to ask him, but part of the, some of the questions were about his kids, his sons, training, uh, the future of MMA, uh, how to distinguish a fighter that's really going to be a fighter if they come up to you at a young age and say, I want to be a fighter. And his answers were, were, were given in a way and, and, and were just like, I never thought of it that way. Oh, okay. And the other beauty about being in Japan, Sean, and, and, and I, you know, I know Jimmy Van has always wanted to go. I, I encourage you, man, if you guys can ever go there. Um, and when I get a chance to sit down with Shingo, who's the matchmaker and one of the VPs for, for Ryzen, um, just the way of life in Japan, how they view themselves, how they view foreigners, how they look at societies, how they look at how to handle themselves in public uh, versus private, it's its eye-opening, man. It's unbelievable. And and I feel like I just scratched the surface of my com- conversations with Shingo and our breakfasts were, were, were incredible. I just sat there like, didn't say a word, man. You know me. I like to listen more yeah. than I talk sometimes, but I was kind of like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. The, the the whole samurai thing and what it means and culture, what it means to be living on an island and how they look at people that come to the island versus, you know, it's like we live here. We don't want conflict. You know, this is this is all we know. We're farmers by trade. We live here. Uh, everyone else is conquerors. You know, Americans, you come over here, you try and conquer our land and whatever, you know, that, that kind of mentality. Right. So they're a very peaceful nation, very peaceful people. Freaking clean. So clean. Good luck finding a garbage can on the streets. Subway system, spotless. Streets, spotless. Wow. But, oh, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. Try having a drink in your hand that you buy from every, like they've got vending machines everywhere, Sean. Whatever you want. You want beer? You want Coke? You want coffee? Warm, cold? Vending machine. Anything you want. Now, you buy it. Where are you going to toss it? There's nowhere to toss it. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so clean, man. It's unbelievable. As we wrap up our, our talk about Ryzen, of course, Joe had a lot of exclusives. They're over at FightfulMMA.com. Go check that out. Kana Asakura, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yep. If she wants in that UFC strawweight division at any point, sign her up. Now, I say that she won the Atomweight Grand Prix, but she's 20 years old. Yeah. Think about that. She was born in 1997. Yep. That's... Like, I think after Biggie died, <laughs> I think... I guess so. <laughs> she is, what a sweetheart she is, man. She is so nice. 11 and 2. She had a great run. Uh, like I said, man, she's 20 years old, so she's going to end up growing into a frame that's probably 115 pounds. And, uh, you know, she lost to Alyssa Garcia, but that was that was, like, last year. And she's still early, and she's got the loss to Kondo, but... 
man, it's hard for me to hold any losses that a, a teenager has over their head, especially with the type of run that she had and can't say enough good about her. Man, she looks good. That's a, that's someone to watch. Well, you beat Reyna. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, and it, she could fit right in there too. I mean, granted, she's a little bit older. If she, I, I'm not I, when I say a little bit older, 26. I mean, the, she's probably at a, an optimal weight. Like she's not like 20 years old where she'll grow into 115. But you know, we've seen it with a lot of Invicta Adam weights, like Michelle Watterson. She moved up to 115, and she does just fine. Panay as well. So. Lots of good came out of that Ryzen show. It was a big uh, week for Japan for us, too, because, I mean, we had the Ryzen shows that happened on the 29th and 31st. We had New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 12 on the wrestling side on uh, on uh, January 4th. Did you happen – was there any any at all buzz on the MMA side in relation to that, or was it, like, just all Ryzen over there? Because I wonder how that translates into, like, the casual spectrum – in Japan, like anything New Japan or uh, Wrestle Kingdom related? Didn't hear much of it, no. Everything, I mean, again, where we were staying at, we were at the West End, so it was all focused on Ryzen and everyone getting ready to go uh, to Saitama. So everything, it, it, there was no real talk about it. Well, what's um, it with you Canadians invading all these shows? Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, a couple of Winnipeg guys on the Wrestle Kingdom show. <sighs> we're taking over. Haven't you we're ever heard of Boundaries? <laughs> good god, good god. let's talk gotcha. about cyborg yeah so uh, i didn't have a chance to talk to you about the performance she had with um uh holly holm masterful uh, masterful yeah. yep i think she did a fantastic job and i think again um it goes back to the discussion is she the greatest fighter of all time greatest female fighter of all time, uh, something I've been saying for quite some time, especially when Ronda Rousey was in her heyday. I continue to, to to say a couple different things. Every time Ronda Rousey won, big congratulations for a spectacular armbar finish or whatever it was or winning the title, retaining the title, but you still haven't fought Cyborg. You still haven't fought Cyborg, and of course, there's a big weight difference there. I get it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the same time, if you, we're going to break it down for legacy, uh, and I know Cyborg has been pinched before. Um, it's an for perform- next to it for it's me. It's an asterisk, there, but... Cyborg, Yoana, and then there's uh, Megumi Fuji, who are my probably top three as it pertains to in-ring, technical ability, things like that. And Cyborg's got a big, big asterisk next to her name. But, yeah, she's great. She Oh, that performance was so good. Like, it's something we talk about every time we preview a Cyborg fight. Like, she used to fight a certain type of way, and she really has evolved, especially since coming into the UFC. And that's something I can admire. Yeah, just look at that fight and think to yourself, where did she get hurt in that fight? When was she hurt? Right? She fought Holly Holm. Right? Like, Holly Holm's dangerous. Uh, I just, the only, my only concern with Holly, not concern, I guess, I, I wish Holly Holm, I don't know what it is, I wish she just had that bit more of that killer instinct. But she's such a, a touch-and-go fighter, she's such a counter fighter, or when she does attack, it's just it's just not that. It's the Machida issue, good. Joe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got you. I got How you. How often have we seen yeah. both Holly Holm and Leoto Machida get aggressive and just destroy people, just wreck their yeah. lives? Yeah, got you, man. What do you think about <laughs> uh, Cyborg's dude has to stop running her account? Man, get off of it. Get off of it. That's who I've, I've been told runs her account as her boyfriend. Stop it, man. Stop it. Like she's calling out one and zero amateurs for saying that. Like, why don't you just, like, this 1-0 amateur fighter, 
responded to her saying, I don't want to fight Nunez. I want to fight Pam Sorensen or Megan Anderson or Cindy Dandeville. Oh, my God. Like, And she, she, and by that I mean whoever ran her accounts, like, you're a one no amateur. What do you know? And it's like, weren't you a one no amateur at one point? Weren't you? Like, and who gives a damn? Like, yeah. if Amanda Nunez, like... Joe, it's so baffling to me, man. It's so confusing because she can beat anybody in the world. And she hits us with this shit. I don't want to fight a Brazilian. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's what strange. Are you, ta- you don't want to fight a Brazilian. It's a big country. What the what the hell? Are you-, <laughs> you don't want to fight a Brazilian. What? Huh? I don't get that. I never have. I mean, I, although I remember when two Canadians were pitted in the UFC and I got depressed. Now, the talent level of, of or the depth of mixed martial arts in Canada, uh, UFC related, and the and the depth in Brazil is completely different. You so weren't getting the six-figure check, Joe. Correct. I got gotcha. you. I bet gotcha. if I bet if you got that six-figure check, you would feel a lot less sad about it. Yeah. And not so only gotcha. that, like. Okay, so let's break this down. Man, there's so much weird shit going on here. So Megan Anderson, first off, Cyborg announces that she's fighting Megan Anderson. And Megan says, uh, no, you can't just do that. I have not been offered the fight. So, okay, that's weird. And I'm assuming it's Cyborg's, I don't want to say handler, because I'm pretty sure it's her boyfriend, but whoever handles her social media. Okay, weird. I get it. I admire the fact that she wants to fight a featherweight. That's cool. But after that, or actually before that, Amanda Nunes says, I want that fight. Now, normally, I'm not up for holding up divisions. Amanda Nunes has nobody to fight right now. Nobody to fight right now. Pennington's hurt. People are moving. They're jumping divisions, all that stuff. Dana White says, yep, that's the fight. That is the fight, Joe. That is the fight. So what does Cyborg and her people come through and say? No, well, we need to fight the next best contender. That's Pam Sorensen. To which I reply, who? Who is Pam Sorensen? And, you know, I had to deal with the people. They were, like, saying, they would reply to the story about Nunez and say, oh, UFC's not even trying to build this division. Not even tr- What? Division! Myself and Joe have both written features about it, both done podcasts about it. There is nobody there. The number, the top, there are top 10 ranked girls in the world, including Bellator and Invicta, that are 5 and 5, that are 6 and 5. There, there's nothing there. It is a celebrity division. If you happen to have somebody that fits the profile, that's fine. Let's look at Pam Sorensen, Joe. Her last win was a, uh, a victory over Jan Finney. Yeah, that Jan Finney. The one that Cyborg, I don't want to say it, all right? Yeah, a lifetime ago. Like, she probably did it in Pancrase or Rings or some shit. It was so long ago. That fight was at 140 pounds. Not a featherweight fight. Her fight before that was win over Helena in Invicta. That was a featherweight fight. You know what Pam Sorensen, uh, how that fight ended up? You know what they weighed in at? I think Pam Sorensen weighed in at 149 pounds. Okay. Oops. Yikes. Uh, her fight before that, featherweight fight, against India Gomes. You know who India Gomes is? 
she's the woman who dominated 145 for a long time, never got her fight with Cyborg, said that the UFC only hired, like, strippers and hookers and stuff, yeah, I- <laughs> then moved to 135 and got her ass kicked real proper by Tanya Evinger and Raquel. Uh, had, like, five fights pulled in, like, 2013. Couldn't get in the cage. Came back, beat Pam, uh, Pam Sorensen. All right, that's cool. How about before that? Oh, before that? What, what, wait, what? Pam Sorensen fought at 135 for years? <laughs> wait, you mean to tell me that as a pro and even as an amateur, she wasn't getting wins at 145? You know who did, Joe? A woman named Amanda Nunes. She mm-hmm. fought at 145 pounds and got some wins. Also, Amanda Nunes is five inches taller then Pam Sorensen. Okay, three inches. Sorry. Three inches taller. Is your wife home? Yeah, she's off this week. <laughs> she's going to come storm in the room. No? And then after all this, then Cyborg's like, hey, you know that woman who lost her way out of the UFC, Cindy Dandois? How about her? It is so goddamn frustrating. So goddamn frustrating to see a woman so supremely talented in the cage. I thought Holly Holm was a real problem for her. Holly Holm was not a real problem for her. I touted for years Holly Holm's footwork. Chris Cyborg gave Holly Holm a lesson in the footwork game at UFC 219. What are you doing? And I don't think it's on Cyborg. I really don't. I think it's on the people that she talks to, or, or that's handling her social media. Because I'm pretty sure that if you went to Chris Cyborg and said, hey, you're fighting Amanda Nunes, she'd probably be like, okay, when's it happen? Give me my check. Tell me tell me when to be there. Oh, man. It is so annoying. It is so annoying. Uh, What he said. It's, oh, my God, man. Like, what's she going to do? Now put on there, oh, I want to fight India Gomes, who is 37 years old now. And they had a fight, uh, like, tentatively set for 2013. Oh, well, I never got to fight India Gomes, and I wanted to. Oh. It doesn't make sense. It's just silly. Um, Maybe they can bring – where's Erica Pies at right now? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, Nunes is going to be that fight. It has to be that fight. You know, the the more we think about it, it that's the fight that's going to happen, because both ladies don't have any opponents right now. They don't. We could say Megan Anderson, but no. So, in in researching this rant, I just want to say Erica Pius, the woman who beat Cyborg in her first fight, she only had like six fights scheduled in her MMA career. Among those include Cyborg, Holly Holm, and Betch Kohea. So, like, whoever, who, the only person I saw that had, like, worse, like, I think there was uh, a woman locally, like, oh, my God, you just looked at her record, and it was, like, one in five, and it was, like, UFC fighter, UFC fighter, UFC fighter, UFC fighter, and I'm thinking, who's your agent? Who's your manager? My God. <laughs> poor, poor women, but it's yeah. really frustrating to see somebody as good as Chris Cyborg, and, um... And uh, Vinny Fernando says there's a, a video after the fight where Cyborg uh, is walking down the hallway and says, if they want me to fight Amanda Nunes, I will. And the people with her didn't even acknowledge what she said. That's what's so frustrating. 
You get these people, these managers, these social media people who do not reflect the interests of the fighter. You mean to tell me, okay, if she fought Amanda Nunes and lost Joe, it's worth more than if she fought Megan, Megan Anderson. All, all respect to Megan Anderson. I think she's a great fighter. Cindy Dandois, India Gomez, and uh, whoever the hell the other one is, Pam Sorensen, and beats them all. Worth more than all those. More pay-per-view buys than probably two or three of them combined. It's so frustrating. It's so annoying that we have that this is a recurring topic on this show. On the listen, you boy, Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fightful.com. We always talk about like some of the the bad business decisions impact makes. It seems like all the time we're talking about weird social media stuff with Chris Cyborg. Well, that post of, of UFC two twenty one Cyborg versus Anderson pay per view February tenth, forty three over forty three thousand likes almost 2,000 comments, and it hasn't been taken down, right? Like it's a, It looks like a legit UFC 221 poster. There will be some idiots that order that pay-per-view thinking that fight's going to happen, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, it's I had not, people, I gotcha. the, people that live up the road from me one time, I'll never forget, they were ordering a UFC pay-per-view in the middle of the afternoon. They said, oh, man, we're going to watch the Liddell fight. The Liddell fight, this is like 12, 13 years ago. Oh, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. They're like, the Liddell fight's on. And I was like, bro, that happened three weeks ago. And they bought they bought the pay-per-view. There are some people that just don't know, that aren't plugged in like that, and they see somebody like that, and they, hey, more power to them. I hope they enjoyed it. It's, did you tell these people that you would be more than willing to take a bet on the fight? Of course I did. Don't be ridiculous. Good. I have a friend, <laughs> our boy Nikita Krylov fan. Oh, Our boy Nikita awesome. Krylov fan, who will not change his Twitter handle to Krylov fan, what a chump, used to <laughs> bet his frat brothers on fights that were on UFC Unleashed. Yeah, that's genius. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's shady, but it's genius. I hate to break it to you. Those are the like breaks. Those are the breaks. Yeah. yeah it's Maybe genius is a bad word or, or incorrect terminology, but sorry. <laughs> you know, if, if someone came to me and, and literally was watching UFC Unleashed and says, oh, you want to Put bets on this fight. Uh, yes, absolutely. Integrity out the window. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, so I'm, I'm trying to look at this UFC schedule. Like, obviously, if you do Cyborg Nunez, you throw that in Brazil and just watch the money roll in, my friends. But I'm looking, and I'm like, all right, they don't have a day. They don't have a venue or anything set for 223. If you put Nunez versus Cyborg on in April, it makes sense. You put it on in Brazil, you fill up that arena, 20, 20 25,000 are coming to see that. You've got this this new swell of Brazilian stars. Like It just makes too much sense to do. And that you got Holloway Edgar announced, which we didn't even talk about, which we've talked about that in the past. And you've interviewed Frankie Edgar for the site about that, so I'll probably run that one back on us. You've got Whitaker Rockhold. But these... Like I, I complimented how how much the UFC had been building these pay per view cards. That is not the case for the next few months. Like you've got the title fights, then you've got some junky stuff underneath it, and that can't happen. And I think that you know Nunez versus Cyborg is a legit super fight, and I want it. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I really want to see it. I mean, in terms of the UFC. I want to ask you a question real quick about the uh, the slap incident, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. In yeah. terms of the UFC, though, I think the actual you know modus operandi has always been, and it's the right thing to do 
the absolute right thing to do title fights for every single pay-per-view if not two title fights for every single pay-per-view if your champions are healthy because that's what fans love and i I hearken back to my days with apex championship fighting um and it was alex caparicci who was one of the founders and the matchmaker um and we had this amazing conversation he's like what do fans want this is we're talking like grassroots regional fights what do fans like what do fans want? They love champions. They love championship fights. They want to watch fights that have some sort of meaning. And I went off on that that article that I posted or that I wrote for Fightful MMA about you know fights that matter. Stop with these fights that no one gives a damn about. I don't care about number 26 versus number 24 unless you tell me it's number 26 versus number 24 and the winner moves up to number 24 or stays at 24, whatever it is. Make each fight meaningful and championship fights are meaningful. People want to, people love champions. They want to know who the champ is and who the challenger is. You know, big fights. That's what it's all about. So kudos to the UFC if, if they can continue to pull that off because they've always wanted to do that since they signed that very first deal with Fox about six, seven years ago, if not almost eight years ago. Now, this slap incident, what am I missing? Because I haven't seen it yet. I'm on Cyborg's page right now. Is it on the page or is it something I missed? What is it? What slap incident? What, are you, what exactly are you talking about? I, I've been seeing some tweets and some stuff. I think it was even on our chat, if I'm not mistaken, about somebody getting slapped or Cyborg slapping someone or someone or slapping Cyborg. Was it like Perillo or something before the fight? And Oh, yeah. Cyborg sl- Perillo uh, slapped and uh, Cyborg and Cyborg said, like, tried to explain why she takes a bitch slap from hell before the fight. And. Uh, she said that we've been working together for a while and he always does it. It's not something I particularly like. Actually, at the time, it makes me want to punch him in the mouth. It's something that's our own. We always do it and it always helps me wake up. Perillo. I love he's, you, my Perillo. He's a dodgy fellow, isn't he? <laughs> he's hilarious. He is so He'll get down funny. and talk like this, like, yeah, sometimes I slap her in the face and uh, it's, just what, it's what works, man. And That's I'm Jason. Like, like, he's got head movement when he talks to you. Well, you know he's, he can't see out of one eye, right? I didn't know that. That makes sense. Yeah. He, he lost he, he lost the vision in one eye when uh, when he boxed as a pro. My God, and he's still able to teach at that high level. Yeah. That's so if you ever so notice, yeah, if you ever notice what Jason does whenever he's coaching or talking, he always turns to the one side. I noticed that, like that's what I was thinking because yeah. he like moves in and in and around and stuff. It makes so much sense. Now I feel like a dick, but no, 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 you're fine. I mean, I I didn't really know this. The, the, the only way I found out about this was years ago at uh, Mandalay, Mandalay or MGM, one of the pool things, whatever. Uh, it was myself, Jason, uh, some Sportsnet peeps. Uh, I think Tito may have been there, uh, but we were just at the pool and shooting the breeze. I'm like, why does this Jason keep doing this to me? Right? He's like, oh, by Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details the way showdown and he explained the whole scenario about boxing and blah blah i was like damn and you could still right if you it's not funny but when he looks at his phone he'll i'm like oh shit jay right but he's hilarious he's he's, and he knows his stuff man his boxing um acumen intelligence is something else but i can't believe he's slapping cyborg but only jason only jason he's just he's crazy um yeah so 
someone just said people don't want championship fights. Matt Musasi on every UFC. Uh, yeah, they do. Don't be ridiculous. And there are 12 UFC champions. So if they fight twice a year, ideally, and sometimes you'll have them fighting three times a year. If there are 13 fight cards, then almost every show could at least have two scheduled championship fights. Now, there will be some situations where you don't need them. Hey, if Dillashaw and Mighty Mouse are going head-to-head, title, not title for title, but champion versus champion, you don't got to be fed up with another one. That's okay. If Cyborg and Nunez are, that's fine. But, I mean, you got to have a big main event on there uh, underneath it, or a big co-main, to help it, but... Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's about 13 UFC pay per views a year. Ideally, I would like them to do 12, but I know that they like to sometimes they like to squeeze one in at the beginning and end of like July or August. So, hey, whatever, whatever. Uh, Matt Musasi, just real quick, if I can ask you a question: Would you rather watch Kalindra Faria versus Melinda Fabian or Rose Namajunas defending her title? I'm completely with you. Completely with you. By the way, we got some good. Or um, Nico Montano defending her title. There you go. There you go. Um, so uh, also there there are a couple of fights either being made, not being made. Marlon Marias, Jimmy Rivera. You got Habib wanting Tony Ferguson, Gaith G wanting Lee. UFC's running back Manawa and Blahowitz. Uh, sure, it just seems a little curious for me. Like, why not match Blahowitz and? Mano up against new people. Like, that's just... Like Cannoneer. Cannoneer, I would love, like, a Manoa-Tyson-Pedro fight. That would be a lot that'd of fun. Be, that'd be super fun. That yeah. would be a blast. So that one was... I just wanted to mention it. That's curious to me. Marlon Marias, jimmy Rivera, like... Whew. Do you feel like that's a must-have fight? Eventually, but I think Marlon Marias blew it. Blew uh. it. Getting on there and calling out Jimmy Rivera, I don't think that he expected Jimmy Rivera to call his bluff. And Jimmy Rivera said, yeah, let's do it. And then he's like, well, I can't make that weight. Okay, I'll give you five pounds. Oh, I can't make that weight. Okay, let's do it at 145, bro. And then Marias tried to say, well, I was at 165. Well, snooze you lose, man, because you were in the conversation. Now, Maybe that's not fair to say because Marlon Marias fought a lot in the last half of 2017. He really did. But, man, you can't go out and do, like, the old pro wrestling heel thing. No, 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 no. We fight on my terms. It doesn't work like that in real fighting. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, Max Holloway was very, very, very fortunate that he didn't gain a lot of bad will after doing the where's Jose Waldo thing, fight me in Brooklyn, and then – didn't fight in Brooklyn when he had the chance. Like, he's very lucky that he didn't have that. But I think he made up for it by beating Jose Aldo's ass twice last year. Now, this, I just think that made Marlon Marias look bad. Now, I'm not saying that he's scared or anything. It's just, don't say you can take the fight if you can't take the fight. Don't make the challenge if you can't do it. Well, I think you're bang on with the whole, got my bluff called. Uh, Because I have no doubts Marlon would love to fight Jimmy. Uh, but like you said, it's not on your terms, not on your terms. It's, it's 135. So if you want to fight somebody in your weight class and you challenge them on the day that they're supposed to be fighting or whatever, watch what you say. Right. But I have no doubts that those two, I, that that's a fight that I would, I would love to see like legit would love to see. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, on the light, light, lightweight side of things, Habib wants Tony Ferguson. 
It's just a carousel. <laughs> like, I don't know who wants who at this point. Conor McGregor's been tweeting a lot. Like, I think he, he got sick. He had, like, the flu, like the Aussie flu or something. Yeah, the Aussie flu. I saw that, yeah. And he was tweeting a lot during that period, which I'm like, man, I hate to say it, but get the flu more often because your social media was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Kevin Lee, Justin Gaethje, both good fights in my opinion. The thing is, if you make another fight, like you got to offer Conor McGregor a fight. Got to offer him a fight. Do it. I think he could beat Tony Ferguson. I really think Conor McGregor beats Tony Ferguson if they fight. I do not necessarily. Well, here's the thing. It's it's the same pro- the same idea I had with Habib before. If Conor McGregor connects, I think that he wins a fight against Habib. If he doesn't and Habib closes the distance. The fight's over. That's it. So, although well, how bad, how, McGregor how, may get a few opportunities because he couldn't finish off Barboza, but you know, Conor McGregor secretly suspended for one year for what he did in the Bellator situation, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> They'll never come out publicly, but he's suspended until next October. That should be what Dana White says: is that we've we had suspended Conor for a while because of that. It'd be complete and utter bullshit, but hey, why not? Yeah. Yeah, there's something going on there. But anyway, um, how bad? Because you mentioned the point that if Conor McGregor was to tag Habib Nurmagomedov, he could win. But how bad at this moment, after watching Habib do what he did to Barbosa, uh, and considering that fight that he had with Michael Johnson, where Michael Johnson nailed him in the teeth uh, and rocked him a little bit, do you not want to see this this mercenary in Habib Nurmagomedov get hurt just to see how he recovers yeah i do because jesus is this guy good like i knew he was good and i i I mean i i have underneath me here i've got a uh, a terabyte hard drive Mm -hmm. that is potentially fried it's probably going to cost me three grand uh yeah oh these data recovery specialist experts are a bunch of d-bags they're going to charge me about two to three grand to get me all the pictures and files that i have on this thing on there is my trip to bahrain and in Bahrain is where me, Hansel Gracie, Frankie Edgar, and Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, Shorty Torres, like you talk about memories, Lex McMahon, us dressed up as sheiks, like it's all on this drive here. And there's a bunch of videos of myself and Habib Nurmagomedov on there. Um, and back then, he was he owned that room, Sean. Like yeah. he owned that training room. And those poor English fighters and American fighters that were brought in uh, by Sheik to, to learn and to become part of the KHK team, holy smokes, did he just destroy these kids. But not in a manner like he was big brother. It was like, hey, we're training. You know, Donald Cabo Cerrone always told me, don't waste my five minutes. You come on the mat, you come in the ring, don't waste my five minutes. Yeah. And that's what Habib was. And Habib was a killer back then. He's way better now. And to see what he did to Barbosa, who, by the way, is a freaking warrior to take that kind of punishment and not give up and not look for a way out. Um, but just when you look at someone so dominant like that and you have Conor McGregor, who's you, – you can make the arguments the best striker uh, in the UFC. He went 10 rounds with Floyd Mayweather. You can make that argument. But to tag – Nurmagomedov with that left hand just to see how Habib deals with it, I would love to see it. Or can Habib say, yeah, I don't care who you are. I'm taking you down. Beat the crap out of you. Yeah, I'm just convinced Michael Johnson is just – he's just there to disturb things. <laughs> like he can hang with anybody on any given night. And then there are people he just gets smoked by. So 
lightweight division has to keep moving, and if if they do Ferguson versus uh, Habib, it needs to be for the undisputed title, not for an interim title. Um, well, they did that with Burrell back when Burrell was the interim um, featherweight champ or bantamweight champ. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Cruz is hurt, champ. and yeah. McGregor isn't. McGregor isn't. Uh, Jessica Panay got popped. Surprising to you? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I mean, if you talk to anybody in the fitness industry, um, you know, someone that you and I know pretty good in terms he's been on the show before, yeah. he can, he's can. he got the eye. I don't have that eye. I'm the first person to tell you all the time. I don't have that steroid eye. I don't have that you know, PED eye where I can look at someone and say, that dude's on juice. That woman's on juice. And he, he told me flat out, he's like, I can tell you anyone and everyone pretty much that's on PED. Now, this is a trained eye. This is a guy like you and I that can go look – like you can go look at an MMA fighter uh, in his second or third – or her in his second or third fight and know if there's potential. You can look at somebody in the, in the professional wrestling realm and know what needs to be worked on. Same with me. I can look at you know whether it's hockey, soccer, uh, baseball – well, not baseball, hockey, soccer, MMA, whatever. I can tell when someone is good and has potential, but I can't tell when someone's on juice. I don't know what it is. He can. And he, he looks at women as well and goes, yeah, that's not natural. Well, I can in pro wrestling because uh, by and large what happens is when a lot of these guys take their, their juice in pro wrestling, it's so they can get to be like 245, 255, way up there. It's not so they can take it and then cut to 170 or something like that. So they'll have the back knee and the real telltale sign is the giant traps that pop out of their ears to their shoulders that humans aren't supposed to like be done because they're taking stuff not for human consumption too. But with Jessica Panay, I mean, great shape, uh, worked really hard, but it's, it's always hard for me to decipher like who can, who's doing what, but hope for the best for her. Didn't expect that out of her, but that could, that, uh, that is not good for Jessica Panay. If she gets two years, let's see, how old is she? She is, Oh, she's, 34 already that could be a career ender it's tough man like i mean like to know more about it but yeah she Mm. lost three fights in a row she has not won a fight in the ufc since 2014 so that's already like you're talking about being out for two years right now and uh you haven't won since 2014 so you're coming back Oh, when? 2019? You're going to tell me the UFC's going to take you back after not having won a fight in five years? I don't think so. She's probably done in the UFC. Actually, as I see uh, this week, she was hand down, handed down an 18-month suspension. Whew. And uh, so uh, there you go. Like I mean, we knew that she got the, the anti-doping violation, but we didn't know that she was going to face the suspension. So... Uh, Man, 18 months. So what, she'll be back at the end of next year? I think she's done. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, got you. Yeah, I wanted to clear that up. We didn't know that uh, she had popped. We actually talked about it back in March, but... That that extra that extra time out, man, that's, that's not good. That's not good. Now, maybe if it's... It's just... I don't see them taking her back at the end of this year. Anderson Silva's not retiring. He's not retiring. Does that surprise you? Actually, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think he'll fight until he's 50 if he can. Yeah, he'll try and just break some sort of records, but at the same time... Uh-oh. You're going to get us demonetized. Mute that. What about this Oops, Ed sorry. Soros shit years ago where he's like, ah, maybe he'll fight until he's 35. 
Yeah. For those who don't know, the Imperial March there, Star Wars, Darth Vader, blah, blah, that's the ringtone I have for my wife. Oh, man. Yeah. And are you surprised? Tuesday yeah. between 3 and 4.30 p.m. she's calling <laughs> me? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, by all means, uh, just to go back to Anderson for, for, for a moment here, where's he going, man? I mean, this guy, it isn't. He, I think there's going to be a time when we look back. Anyone that's followed his career for as long as – if you've just followed his career and you watched his progression as a fighter from when he competed in Brazil to when he competed in Japan to when he came to the UFC and made his debut against Chris Lieben and, and became the champion against Rich Franklin and blah, blah, blah. I mean and it, the thing with mixed martial arts fans, it's what have you done for me lately? A lot of them forget what he did, uh, especially in the Patrick Cote fight, especially in the Damian Maya fight, um, especially in a market that was new for them um, You know, in, in the Middle East. Like it was crazy, but – this is a guy who's been up and down and could have gone down as the greatest of all time. I mean, the GOAT conversation was almost – it was unanimous at one point for Anderson Silva. now. He's got the asterisk next to his Multiple name. asterisks. Yeah, it's just now he's not going to go down to do to that. Be, to be fair to him, there was a good period where everybody that he was facing was also on some stuff. <laughs> so yeah. so there, there is that, that if you can put it there. But man, like – Jessica Panay and Anderson Silva, both uh, uh, Panay's facing maybe the end of her career, but Anderson Silva says, "I don't care how long. I'm not. I'm not retiring." Jimmy Smith, end of his Bellator career, they asked him to take a pay cut, and he said, "Nope, not in my best interest." Instead, uh, Chael Sonnen and Big John McCarthy are filling in. That's fair, but I think Jimmy Smith is one of the best in the game. He is incredible. So, uh, is it confirmed that the UFC will sign him? Joe Rogan wants him to, but see the thing is, Joe, like man, it's it's rough for Jimmy Smith because he's a color commentator, and they have right now Joe Rogan. Well, what if Joe Rogan's not around? Oh, well, we got Dominic Cruz. Well, what if Dominic Cruz isn't around? Oh, we got Daniel Cormier. Well, what if he's not around? Paul Felder, who just emerged out of nowhere as this awesome color commentator, being fourth or fifth on that depth chart might not get you a lot of work. Um, I don't know if he would be interested in doing some play-by-play, but they could definitely do with some more play-by-play guys over there because it's slim pickings in the UFC as far as play-by-play guys, and that's after they let a Mike Goldberg go. Like I'm asking for Mike Goldberg back with some of these guys, not John Anik. John Anik's fine, but yeah, man. Also, we have a uh, UFC event this weekend. UFC St. Louis. I am doing a post-show podcast right afterwards, Sunday night. But before Joe and I break down the show and make our picks, take a listen at what the pros think. And this is all courtesy of James Lynch. You all can get all kinds of great stuff from him over on uh, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube where he's got interviews releasing all the time. Uh, I got to go with Jeremy Stevens. That's my boy over there in San Diego, man. So I think he's going to knock Troy out. That guy just comes forward reckless, and Jeremy's too powerful for him. You know, I've been a very big uh, Jeremy Stevens fan, man. I think he's going to go out there and just put on a put on a really good performance. The guy doesn't get tired. So I think he's going to go out there and grind him out. <laughs> I have to go with Jeremy Stevens. I mean, this guy brings it every single time, and he's a veteran of the sport. I mean, I feel like it's his time to make a run towards that title. That's a fun fight, honestly, and, and that's a hard one to pick because Jeremy came off his last fight against Melendez, and he actually looked really good. And Duo Choi came off his last fight, but he hasn't fought in, in a while, again, and his last fight was against Cub. And uh, I thought he did, but he had his moments. He looked good. It was a little bit of a – it was an awesome fight. Don't get me wrong, but it was a little bit 
wild. Like they were just throwing haymakers, and um, I think Stevens has that power that if you if you try to fight him like that, that he can catch you. But Duhoff has that power too. So that's, that that is a really hard fight to pick. I'm gonna pick Stevens. I don't know how. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say TKO, but because it's a five round fight now, not a three round fight. Um, but that's a tough fight, man. If if, if Troy wins, it won't won't surprise me at all. That's a great fight. Uh, I've always been a huge uh, Jeremy Stevens fan, and uh, watching his last fight with uh, Gilbert Melendez, I was that was. I mean, he he looked like a completely different fighter with those low kicks and uh, just he's he's an animal. And then uh, the uh, Korean like Superboy, right? He he is a he's a beast in himself. But I think I think Jeremy Stevens is going to be uh, a little bit too much for him. Ah oh, man. Yeah, Duho Cho's got a laser right hand, bro. I like that kid. Uh, but Stevens is as tough as they come. Duho Cho, he, 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 he's there to be hit, and he eats some shots, and, and that's... You just can't give Jeremy Stevens that fight. You know, if you fight him smart, if you, if you stay on the outside and you pick him apart, um, that's the way to victory, and Duho Cho just does not have that in him. So I'm going to just pick... Uh, Jeremy Stevens, man, he just he just swings too hard, he just hits too hard, and he just brings it. I'll take Stevens just because I think Duho Choi takes took way too much damage in, in the last few fights, and you know Stevens is just a veteran, so I'll probably take him, even though he's getting a little on the older side. Um, I'm still gonna take him. Uh, Duho Choi, man, what a tough son of a man. They're they're both. Oh, you, you know, I'd like to go with uh, Stevens in the, the earlier rounds and Troy in the later rounds. I think that guy is, he's just nonstop um, and can and can go those rounds. So that I don't want to say specific, like, he's going to win or he's going to lose because you, you never know and there's so much detail that goes into it. Uh, but I think that he can win in the earlier rounds and Troy can win in the, the later rounds. So here we go. It's UFC St. Louis. Jeremy Stevens versus Duho Choi. Uriah Hall versus Vitor. Paige Van Zant, Jessica Rose Clark. Ya boy, Kamaru Usman versus Emile Weber Meek. Yeah! Taryn Elkins, Michael Johnson. Like, that is. Like, see, the thing is, like, some of these names, like a Vitor, Paige Van Zant, do jump off the page to casual viewers. But I'm just talking, like, just chock full of top 15 fights. It, when James Krause versus Alex White is like sixth from the top, that's solid. You got Tiago Alves on the show. You got Danielle Taylor and J.J. Aldrich in a strawweight fight. You have Kalindra Faria versus Jessica I. For years, we have heard the excuse that Jessica I was only losing fights because she wasn't in a real weight division. This is finally her chance, and she's fighting a top 15 fighter in that division. So um, I just wanted to mention that there are a few real good women's fights on this this prelim show. Yeah, Bernardo against Aldana, Jessica I versus Kaledra Faria, Danielle Taylor versus JJ Aldrich. That's on the fight pass prelims. Man, that's solid. That's that a five is... fight that's five fights in the prelims. Hey, that's huge. And you know what I always say? You gotta you put that on there because there are those weirdos who just watch women's MMA. And they have that <laughs> subscription already for Invicta. So I think it's everything, like, everything you say about this conspiracy theory—oh, it's not conspiracy; it's real—continues to come true when you look at five fights on the UFC Fight Pass card, three of which are women's fights. By the way, Mike Santiago on there—we interviewed him for Fightful.com. Check that out. Uh, Joe interviewed Tiago Alves earlier this year, I believe it was uh, at uh, in Buffalo. 
Buffalo, and yeah. Of course, you talked to Kamaru Usman. We talked to Jessica Rose Clark. We got a lot of people. We had an interview with Uriah Hall last year, so we've talked to a lot of people on this show. Out of the the three women's fights on this show, is there anything that stands out to you? I mean, some good names there. Well, I mean, Duho Choi says he wants a title fight before his military is in, in Korea. That ain't happening. No. No, we can't. First of all, it's not happening. Yeah. Second of all, like, if you get that title shot and you win, you're gone for two years. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, operating at a different frequency, <laughs> right? Um, but do you think he's going to whoop Jeremy Stevens' ass? Uh, Jeremy Stevens is like Michael Johnson in this division, so I hope they fight each other at one point. Like, he shouldn't really be ranked in the top ten. He shouldn't be, but he keeps finding ways to get ranked in the top ten. And uh, he beat Gilbert Melendez, but what does beating Gilbert Melendez mean this, these days? He's kind of coasting off the oh, off the success he had in 2015 and 16 with wins over Bermudez and Burrell, which do mean something. He beat Darren Elkins before Darren Elkins went on this hot streak. So he's got these wins that look maybe a little bit better than they should. Uh, Dos Anjos, for example. And I think that's... Uh, it's just, man... But he, to be fair, he does lose to people like Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, Moitano, uh, Edgar, and Holloway. It's hard for me to know what Jeremy Stevens has. It's really, really hard... And, like, I mean, Duho Choi is fresh off of a Cub Swanson loss. So we saw that when he made that leap from Tiago Tavares to Cub Swanson, he wasn't ready for that. Is he ready for Jeremy Stevens? That's a question we'll have to answer because pacing is going to be a big part of this. Duho Choi is used to finishing people with the quickness. Will Jeremy Stevens fight like that, or is he going to be one of those fighters that kind of changes his approach from that aggressive style to the keep-me-in-the-UFC style? type of thing. That's what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, the speed with Duho Choice is something else. I mean, that fight with Cub Swanson was just one of the craziest fights. Maybe the best, if not the second best fight I've ever seen in my life. And I was there live when Gilbert Melendez fought Diego uh, Sanchez. So that was just insane. Um, Uriah Hall, Vitor Belfort. Again, two guys we just don't know. We don't know what Vito Belfort has left, really, and Uriah Hall. You don't know which Uriah Hall is going to show up. Uh, Paige Van Zant, a lot of pressure on her to win this fight. She can't lose to Jessica Rose Clark. Hell no. Yeah, and Jessica Rose Clark is uh, – I feel like she's ranked 10th in that division. So, But, I mean, what do those rankings mean right now? But you can always say she's ranked 10th in that division. So there is that. Uh, Paige Van Zant ranked 11th as a – I think a straw weight, but yeah, if uh, despite the fact that Jessica Rose Clark beat Beck Rawlings in this division a while back, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that Paige Van Zandt can afford to lose to her. I think Paige Van Zandt is incredibly underrated. I think that her footwork is pretty good. Her kicks are very good, especially at range. Um, has an underrated ground game as well that I think could could pay off. Jessica Rose Clark taking this fight on a pretty quick turnaround, less than two months. I think it's like seven, eight weeks after her last fight over Beck Rawlings where she went three rounds and got hit about 60 times, taken down a couple of times. Like that That's curious to me. And Paige Van Zant is really, you know, for, for all, you know, her marketing and st- the push that, that she's given, 
even though she she's been out of the cage for a while, you can't take her lightly. But I am interested to see how that layoff affects Paige Van Zandt. Layoffs are never good, although she's young. Uh, it's fine, but you want to remain fresh. I mean, um, the fact that she, so. yeah, she's she's only a plus one hundred five favorite, which isn't saying much. Uh, I, I figure the public would have her way more Wait, she as favorite, a favorite. Favorite or an underdog? Sorry, what? underdog. She's an okay. underdog. She's an underdog. I thought because of her popularity, the price and that price could change. Um, it is dropping, obviously. Uh, I can tell right now by by just looking at some of the graphs here. But um, too I wouldn't close be surprised. to even for me. Yeah, close. I thought for sure she'd be beat more of a favorite. I'm just looking at Kamara Usman, minus 600, plus 450 for Emil Meek. I mean, this, in my opinion, is such – all the pressures on Kamara to win this fight, right? Like he has no business losing this fight whatsoever. And I think after this fight here – I know I'm jumping the gun, and obviously there's a bias there with Kamara and I doing you know play by – or broadcasting for Titan. But Kamara can't take these fights anymore. Yeah, he's got to fight somebody in the top 15. And the thing is about Valhalla, like, he had that just that one-sided win over Jordan Meehan, and he's he really made his name on the Paul Harris knockout. And that's yeah. when knocking out Paul Harris meant something <laughs> because everybody wanted somebody to knock out Paul Harris. And uh, he's been out of the cage for 13 months as well. That's not good. So if, if Kamaru Usman can't get past him, that that's going to be yeah. rough. But after this, Kamaru Usman needs to fight a top 15 fighter. And we mentioned it before the Sergio Marias fight. He needed to finish. He needs to keep finishing people. Yeah, He can't have a boring win here. And I mean, he'll get some praise, sure. But if you're, oh, let's see, one, two, three, six, six and 6-0 oh in the UFC, 8-0 oh if you count the ultimate fighter, you need to be finishing people. And he only has two finishes in that entire time. But man, that knockout over Marias opened up people's eyes to the point to where you, know, you got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson telling us on last week's show, yeah, he is a very scary guy, and I know I'll probably end up fighting him eventually. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't want nothing to do with Kamaru. Nothing to do with a him. Lot. And, I mean, he's tried yeah. to fight Masvidal and Covington. They both turned down the fight. Yeah, yeah. So I love this division. Right now, this 170 division is fantastic. Uh, come on, Tyron Woodley, get healthy, get back to, to defending this title. Uh, but the last fight, uh, I know you mentioned James Carlson, Alex White, which is a ridiculous fight as is, but Elkins and Johnson is another ridiculous fight. And that's going to be your, your preliminary card, Fox Sports 1. Well, this whole thing is spot, Fox Sports 1 except for Fight Pass. But uh, the Elkins-Johnson fight is going to be sick. Yeah, I wonder how El- – uh, not Elkins. I wonder how Johnson, Johnson. will look. At 145, because he seemed like a beefy 155, <laughs> and he you he's one in four in his last five fights. But it's like I said, man, like you just never know what he's going to be able to pull off and do. And Darren Elkins, Darren Elkins is not in a spot where he should be fighting a guy who has lost four of his last five fights. Darren Elkins, at 33 years old, after you know he could have been done, he is on the come up. I mean, he has beaten Whiteford, Skelly, Pepe. Bechtick and Bermudez consecutively. He has had arguably the best run of his career. You could say the eight win, eight fight winning streak he had to start his career was, but I mean, this is against much higher talent with the exception of maybe Pat Curran. But like, it's just, it's a crossroads for them. And I get the feeling if if Michael Johnson doesn't get a win here, he'll probably head right back up to the 155 division, and he probably should. But I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see how he looks uh, physically 
on this show. And how he performs against, you know, a wrestler. Yeah, right? that because, too. I mean, against Nurmagomedov, he got dominated. Um, he, he lost to Nate Diaz, and, and Benil Darius was a split decision loss. But that Nate Diaz was not really a wrestler. is a striker, per se. Uh, that was a decision loss. Um, and then you look at the, the wins. He had a four-fight win streak with Edson Barboso, Melvin Gallard, Gleason Tabau, and Joe. But he lost to Hezim Adadi, or yeah. Adadi. He lost to Miles Jury, but he also beat Tony Ferguson, the current UFC interim 155-pound champ. So... Johnson's, like you said, he's a bit of an enigma. It's hard to figure out. You don't know which Johnson's going to show up. But right now, with one win in his last five, uh, he's got to win this fight. And Darren Elkins, we know, will not go away unless his body shuts down. So the opportunity for Johnson right now to keep this fight standing and try and you know, knock the lights out of Darren Elkins is there. Elkins, if he's breathing, he will continue to fight. I mean, best comeback of 2017 was Derek Elkins. Let's be honest for a second. Um, and at the same time, or Darren Elkins. At the same time, you know Darren's not going to sit there and want to stand and bang with Michael Johnson. He's going to want to get this fight down on the ground immediately. With a win, Darren Elkins could crack some pretty, I don't want to say rare territory because there's about 30 names, but once you get to about 14 wins, you're looking at a lot of, you're looking at the the guys who have either been around for a long time or have been really successful, and uh, Tiago Alves is looking for his fifteenth uh, win on this show, and that would put him in an even rarer company. But do you think this is really Vitor Belfort's last fight or just last UFC fight? Good question. Very good question. I'm going to say yes. Yes, what? I'm going to say yes. It's last UFC fight. Okay. Um, yeah. I could see somebody getting hurt in that Bellator heavyweight tournament. I could, yeah. I mean, I, I I think Belfort's career is done after this, win or lose, and I think he goes over to uh, to Bellator because uh, you know, Uriah Hall has the opportunity to put Vitor Belfort on his resume. Take advantage of it, son. Win it. Send Belfort on his way. Thank you very much because yep. this guy's been around forever. Vitor's been around forever. 96 when he beat the toughest man in the world, John Hess. John Hess was an absolute beast or I remember that. Oh, my God. Super Bowl. Uh, he is a guy that if Bellator wanted to slide in there or if you wanted to open up a completely new wing of the bracket and add eight more people, you could say UFC 12 heavyweight tournament champion. Dude, Before UFC himself. 12. UFC. Takes out Trod Telegman, who had one peck, and Scott Ferrosa, who had enough buffets in him that, well, Scott was still tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that fight with Telegman was, what, a minute 17, and Ferrosa was 43 seconds. And then Belfort comes back and takes out Tank Abbott in 52 seconds. And then the infamous UFC 15 um, trailer incident where he didn't want to come out of the trailer to fight Randy Couture. Eventually comes out and gets his bell rung, right? So yeah, Belfort's been around, man. Two or 1997 uh, was when he made his UFC debut. At UFC 12. I'm looking for his hand speed well, in this fight because even in recent fights, like his hand speed has been there. Like his, which is crazy at 40 years old. I think he is 40 that his hand speed would still be there. But I mean, like it's decreased a little bit. But I mean. Okay, so Vitor Belfort's hand speed decreased a little bit. It's still really great. And if he yeah. jumps up to a 205 or a heavyweight and competes in Bellator, that could be fun. I'm not expecting him to make noise, but 
It's a Uriah Hall fight, so it always comes down to the same thing every single time when or if Uriah Hall pulls the trigger. Every single fight. I really that feel was... I really feel like the man could be a top five UFC middleweight. But that was the knock in, in Vitor Belfort's last fight against Nate Marquardt is that you know it went through the decision, but the, the the knock was that you know even Faraz was kind of hinting at it that he didn't want to pull the trigger because he didn't want to just waste that gas tank and then not be able to do anything uh, at all in that fight, right? He, he didn't want to sit there and be a, a sitting duck per se. So what about Belfort? He's got to pull that trigger as well. Will he do it against Uriah Hall? And Uriah Hall has always been that enigma. We're using enigma a lot in the show, but um, way back from the Ultimate Fighter when Chael Sonnen's like, it's all mental, man. It's all mental for you, right? And Uriah told me uh, in Seattle uh, way back when we interviewed him. He just he's, It's always been mental, man. Always been mental for him. And that's a tough hurdle to have. David Loazzo had those problems, you know. Um, mentally, for some of these fighters, I mean, George St. Pierre talked about it all the time. Got to get mentally strong and go, 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 go. Well, I tell Uriah Hall this, if he's worried about emptying his gas tank, in fights that go the distance with him, uh, in the UFC, one and five. I think one and four, one and five. Uh, and almost all of his wins are under that. I mean, he knocked out Jotko two and a half round or one and a half rounds. Uh, Musashi at the beginning of the second. Um, Bamboje, uh, middle of the first. Stallings, middle of the first. Lieben couldn't make it back to the after the first round. Uh, three of his fights on the Ultimate Fighter were finishes, and then he had that one against Andy Enns, which uh, who knows how that would have ended up, but. That Jotko fight, though, he got rocked in the first round. Like, it was a 10-8 round, wasn't it? Then he came back and won it? Yeah. And that's no. the thing. He's I, If I'm him, I, I pull the trigger. At this point, you know what you're getting out of Uriah Hall. He's 33 years old. This is not the guy from 2013 who was in his 20s and Chael Sonnen is leaning over saying, I think you're a contender in the middleweight division. And there's a lot of times where I think Chael Sonnen's blowing smoke. And I think Chael Sonnen's just putting somebody over to do it because he knows the pro wrestling mentality. Yes. I think that he saw some of those and he was like, my God, this guy is really that good. And it, there was he got progressively better as that Ultimate Fighter season went on. And then he had that. just He just laid a fart against Kelvin Gastelum. Just that was one of the most surprising performances ever. A stinker. And now we didn't know what Gastelum would become. but uh, Also on the prelims, again, Kalindra Faria, Irene Aldana, Danielle Taylor versus Aldrich. I am very curious to see if Aldana lives up to the hype finally. Uh, excited to see if Jessica I can do what many of her fans have been saying and win a fight in the flyweight division because that's... You know, it's been the knock is that she hasn't been able to compete in her own division. And then Danielle Taylor versus J.J. Aldrich, I just think, is a solid fight. Uh, Danielle Taylor has won her last two fights. J.J. Aldrich, 5-2 uh, and two career. Very, very excited to see uh, those three women's fights on the prelims. Could be interesting. I, I just want to see your tweets and your, your reaction to the potential of Jessica losing um, at 125 pounds or not performing as the fight continues at 125 pounds. I mean, that's been the thing, man. That's the excuse I've always heard, and I get it. 115 is too much of a jump. 135, they are big there. You got a lot of people who can compete at 145 facing her, but you had a lot of people that also would have competed at 125 there, so. 
We'll see. I've got that post show Sunday night. Of course, we have live discussion over there. So, guys, if you're watching this, just drop by on our live discussion page Sunday evening. Make your predictions or head over to Fightful.com or FightfulMMA.com. Register absolutely free on our forums. Leave your picks there. I want to interact with you all. I want to hear from you guys. And also, we are available on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Spotify. We're on virtually everything. Let the people in the world know about it, my friends. Also, hey, follow us on Instagram. We are at Fightful Online on Instagram. I am doing a lot of giveaways and contests on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Fightful Online cross-platform. Joe? What he said. What he said. Joe, where can the people follow you? On social media. If you haven't figured it out over the past, I think, is it 18 months? A little less than 18 months that we've been on the air. Yeah, at Showdown Joe uh, is probably the best place, as always. Uh, at Showdown Joe, follow uh, Sean Rossap, at Sean Rossap. Uh, give us a follow, give us some love, share the knowledge, share the fact that, you know what, hey man, this is a legit site. We cover anything and everything that has to do with combat sports and professional wrestling. We love what we do. Uh, just get it out there, kids. It's fun. And we love the interaction with you crazy – you know what? As a matter of fact, before we say goodbye, um, the, the the live chat kind of blew up with the Stipe Miocic, um, Francis Ngannou conversation. We're going to break it down much, much more when we as we get closer to the fight. But by the sounds of it, it sounds like uh, Steve, the, the peeps in the chat are saying that you know Ngannou's going to knock Miocic's head through the ropes. Other ones are saying Miocic – or through the cage – uh, others are saying Miocic is going to run and he's going to go for a takedown. Well, yeah, he's going to go for a takedown. Please don't stand a tree with Francis. Well, I mean, Curtis Blades was is an excellent wrestler and he managed to take down Nganu, but we saw how it ended up, so you just never know. And if a guy can break a world record as it pertains to punch, punch power... You have to wonder how that just ungodly power translates to other things. Like, for instance, Ronda Rousey is among the best takedown artists in women's MMA history. She had absolutely garbage striking. Just garbage striking. But because, I'm assuming, her outstanding core strength that she had developed from her years as a judoka, she had this natural power. The legs, the, the core strength that she possessed... She was able to put a lot more into those punches, and she slept some people. And you all can go back. There was a time when Ronda Rousey, with her terrible striking, was sleeping people when Chris Cyborg was TKOing people. Like, you know, the old Jeremy Stevens things. Thing. <laughs> Ronda Rousey puts him to sleep. Other people were TKOing him. That was happening. Like, she was putting Betch Coea face down, ass up on a straight out of Compton logo on pay-per-view, for the love of God. Like... So you just never know how a Francis Ngannou will like react to what happens if Stipe touches him. We've seen what Stipe can do to people moving backwards. <laughs> yeah, he's a legit boxer, man. Ooh, this is just a man. I there are a few things I love in the world more than a big heavyweight fight. And I'm talking like in boxing and MMA. Like I'm a very casual boxing guy. Carlos Toro is the god of Fightful.com when it comes to boxing. But I was there. I was seated and ready for Joshua versus Klitschko. And I loved it. It was awesome. I am ready for Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. And by God, my friends, let me tell you, am I ready for uh, 
Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic. Just like I was for Carwin Lesnar. Just, you know, as we call them on the site, two big Angus sirloin beef sons of bitches. <laughs> I love it. Just swinging those meaty hooves attached to their hands. Oh, I love their it. wrists. Just throwing, chucking and ducking, my friends. This is what I'm here for. I can't wait. Can't wait. Love it. Love it. Can't wait. I'm saying, yep, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I can't wait. Guys, until next time, make sure to follow us. Visit Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulWrestling.com. <laughs> until next time, guys, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.